Now hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripened once, he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And then Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. What is the difference between propaganda and evangelism? This is the message that greeted me as a text one morning this week, actually the morning that I was beginning my sermon prep. What is the difference between propaganda and evangelism? We'll get to the answer to that, or an answer to that, in a little bit. But before we start, let's reorient ourselves to where we are right now. On this second Sunday after Pentecost, the Sunday after the disruption that we've experienced in terms of Pentecost and annual meeting, we now come into this time that the church calls ordinary time. The time after we've told the story of the ministry of Jesus and we come to hear the story of the ministry of the church from now until Christ the King Sunday and then the first Sunday of Advent. And during this time, we'll journey through the gospel account of St. Mark. And remember, as we approach St. Mark, there are two lenses by which we look. First, Mark is the story of the training of the disciples, the training of the twelve, in which Christ is revealed to them as teacher, prophet, and Messiah. And then he is revealed as the Son of Man, the Son of David, and finally, the Son of God. This progressive revelation of who Jesus is, as Mark proclaims, the good news of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. The other lens that we look at Mark through is not a lens for which it was written, but potentially a use that the church found for it. In the early church, it's likely that Mark was used as a baptismal text, as the catechumens gathered in a cave to sit the Easter vigil. It's likely that in some places the gospel of Mark was read in its entirety, right up until the end of the crucifixion. As the centurion proclaims, truly this man was the Son of God. 
And then the catechumens would be brought out to celebrate the resurrection and celebrate their new life in baptism. So those are the lenses by which we approach Mark. We also need to take a step and say, wow, what do we do with these parables, these sayings of Jesus that are really hard to say, this is what it means. And I think that's Jesus' intent there, is that we couldn't say, this is the only thing that this means. The parables are always abundant in meaning. There are ways in which the parables speak to us newly every time that we read them. They bring disorder into the fiction we have of order and reorient our expectations to be true expectations of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, as described in the parables, will always afflict those who are comfortable in the kingdoms of this world. The parables will make us very uncomfortable if we are comfortable in the kingdoms of this world. They will also comfort us when we are afflicted by the kingdoms of this world. The parables will comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. So let us look at the parables that we have on this day. The second parable of sowing seeds and the parable of the mustard seed. As we go to the first part of this fourth chapter of the Gospel according to St. Mark, we hear the very famous parable of the sower as a man goes out and sows, and the seeds fall in various soils. And Jesus then describes this parable. This is the one that he explains, and Mark records his explanation, that the seeds that are sown are the word of God, the soils are the conditions of the hearts of men. That when sown and planted in good soil, the word of God bears fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. There are also the birds that come when the seed falls on the rocky path and they snatch away as tools of Satan. The birds act as tools of Satan, the deceiver, to snatch away the seeds of the gospel from those who would receive it. So now we come to these two parables. The man goes out and scattered seed and it sprouts without him even knowing it. The seed is still the word of God. We see this as a way of the kingdom of God. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like this. The man sows seed, the seed sprouts, brings forth fruit from the earth, and he doesn't know how. Contrast this image of the kingdom of God with the kingdoms of the world. The kingdom of God brings forth fruit, brings forth food from the soil to feed the people. The kingdoms of the world, particularly the kingdom of Rome, came and took grain from the people to deliver, to feed the beast that was Rome. The kingdom of God gives fruit. The kingdom of Rome, the kingdoms of this world, take the fruit of men. The peace of the kingdom of God compared to the peace of Rome. Does peace come from power and coercion, or does peace come from the shalom of creation? Jesus comes promising the Pax Christi, the healing and redemption of the world 
through the love of God. Rome comes promising a peace that is not really a peace, enforced by sword and legion. The kingdom of God contrasted to the kingdoms of this world. And in this, in comparing the kingdom of God to this very earthly thing that we've all seen, we see it as preschoolers when we put little beans into plastic bags with a wet paper towel. We place a seed in water in the soil, and it sprouts, and it grows, and we don't know how that happens. In this parable of the kingdom of God, Jesus sanctifies. He makes holy. He declares as a part of the kingdom of God even the mundane things of this world, even the gardens that we plant from seeds. And then Jesus gives us a vision of what is to come. The vision of the fullness of the kingdom of God manifest on earth. What the church would call an eschatological vision. A vision of what it means for all things to come together at the end. As the seed ripens, as the grain ripens in the ear, and immediately the sickle is put forth to the harvest. And the harvest in the imagery of scripture is always reference to that time when Christ returns, when the fullness of the glory of God is revealed in all of those who are his people are gathered together in the fullness of the glory of God. And then we come to the mustard seed. Jesus describes this as the smallest of all seeds, and yet it grows into a tree into a bush, into a plant that is larger than all the other plants of the garden. We have a contrast between small beginnings and large results. But listen to what this plant does when it is grown. The birds of the air take shelter in its branches. The birds of the air, those same birds of the air that we heard earlier snatched away the hope of the gospel from people? Those same birds of the air come to find shelter in the tree that is the kingdom of God. What a glorious story of hope and redemption, of reconciliation, that even the agents of evil come to be known as children of God. It reminds me of St. Paul, who describes himself as the worst of all sinners and yet, and yet forgiven and restored, made whole and sent on the mission of the kingdom of God by the power of Christ. We also see a reference to the fall of the kingdoms of this world. We see in Ezekiel the, the kingdom of Assyria, glorious among all, like the cedars of Lebanon and all the birds of the air take their shelter there. This most glorious of trees, this most glorious of cities, this most glorious of empires is chopped down and is no more. Destroyed by Babylon, which is then destroyed by Persia, which is then destroyed by Greece. Ezekiel issues a warning to Egypt, also destroyed and made captive to Rome. 
do not place your hope in the kingdoms of the world. Hope is only found in the kingdom of God. So what is the difference between propaganda and evangelism? It's a difference in nature, a difference in metric, and a difference in telos, a difference in end goal. First, the difference in the nature of propaganda versus evangelism. Let's look at the root of the word we use, propaganda. The first time we see it is in the 17th century, as the Church of Rome forms the Congregatio di Propaganda Fidi, the congregation, the organization for the propagation of the faith. It is good news. When we go to the garden, we propagate seeds. We propagate the seeds of the gospel when we spread the good news. But more recently, propaganda has taken on a less constructive meaning, meaning a biased or misleading set of information designed to promote, publicize, or persuade, designed to promote, publicize, or persuade in the ways of the kingdoms of this world. Whereas we look at evangelism, the euangelion, you meaning good, angelion message, the good message, the good news, what we term as the gospel. Evangelism is based in its very heart in the good news of the kingdom of God. Mark writes, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, saying, the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God has come near. Therefore, repent and believe this good news. Propaganda seeks to persuade, promote, or publicize in the ways of the kingdom of the world. Evangelism declares what is in the kingdom of God. A difference in nature. We also see a difference in metric, a difference in how things are measured, how we know we're doing good at propaganda or evangelism. Propaganda is measured by outcome. Persuasion is more important than the fidelity of the message. It's not necessary in propaganda for me to tell you what is true just to convince you to do what I want. The difference in evangelism is evangelism is really only evangelism when it is true to the good news. The measure of evangelism, the metric is the fidelity of the message. The good news of the kingdom of God is more important, is more enduring, is eternal, regardless of whether you are convinced or not. A difference in nature, a difference in metric, a difference in telos, a difference in end goal. Propaganda promotes the temporal kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms that fall like Assyria, like Egypt, like Rome, and like every other kingdom designed around human political structures. Yes, even the kingdom we call the United States will fall. It will be no more when the kingdom of God comes in its fullness. 
evangelism does not point us toward a temporal end of the kingdoms of this world, but to the eternal end of the kingdom of God. Evangelism directs our heart to this good news that resonates deep in our soul and tells us that the kingdom of God is at hand. So how do these parables instruct us to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God? How do these parables form us to be evangelists and not propagandists? First, these parables teach me to sow the word of God first fully in my life. I need to be evangelized every day. I need to hear the good news of the kingdom of God every day. And I need the sacramental seeds of this table and the nourishment of this community to live in the kingdom of God. First, sow the word of God fully in my own life. Then scatter the seeds that are the fruit of that sowing. The word of God wrapped in the love of God permeates everything that I do. Evangelism is not a word that I say. It's not a thing that I go out to do. It is a permeation of my very life that in everything that I do, I scatter the good news. Those who come in contact with me should know about the kingdom even before I open my mouth. Think about that. And then... After sowing the word of God in myself, after harvesting those seeds and scattering the seeds of the word of God to those around me, abandon the outcome to God in prayer. Remember, the fidelity of the message is more important than the convincing of the person in front of me. Or as Jesus says, the man who goes and scatters these seeds, he sleeps and he rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces of itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full fruit, then the full grain in the ear. The word of God is to be sown. The hope of God, the gospel, the good news is to be sown, and God does the work from there. And finally, having sown the word of God in ourselves, having gathered and scattered that to others, having abandoned that outcome to God, we wait, we pray, and we trust in the Lord of the harvest. This is probably the hardest thing in our metric-driven society. We want to say, well, how successful was that? But our part, again, is measured in the fidelity of the message and our fidelity as those who are called by Jesus to be with him, to proclaim this message, and to cast out the forces of darkness around us. Remember, this is the call of Jesus to the twelve as he gathers them around him to be with him, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, and to cast out the forces of darkness. It's the same call that we have in the gospel. The question that we ask ourselves in evangelism is not, did I convince that person? But rather, did they know the power of the love of God to heal and redeem in their encounter with me? Did they know the love of God to heal and redeem? 
then we learn from the mustard seed. We learn to not be discouraged by the seeming smallness of the seed. All I have is a little bit of hope to offer. All I have is a little bit of love to offer. Do not be discouraged by the smallness of the seed. And do not be, be surprised. Do not be surprised by the growth of the plant from that very small seed. Do not be surprised at what a little bit of love, a little bit of hope can do. We should also not be surprised when the seeds that we sow grow and provide shelter, even to those who were once against us. We should not be surprised when we find in the church those who were once opposed to God, even me. We should not be surprised, but instead we should rejoice that even the birds of the air find shelter. We should not be surprised, but we should rejoice in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.